I'm Catherine Bice, your host to Bowie, a Life in Deeper Water podcast. I live on the Outer Banks of North Carolina on what many call a 200-mile sandbar along the wildly native Atlantic coast. As a nonprofit professional, I had such a heart for bringing resources to underserved youth and artists, New York City, Los Angeles, but the ocean is now my daily muse. So why buoy? To bear my witness to a seaworthy faith, one witness of God's divine persuasion in our deep blue lives, I seek faith that rocks with resilience. Buoy is rocking on a small, sun-drenched platform, spending a few minutes to warm up with the sea lines and navigate a deeper perspective on how our faith is our witness. We all have to swim to it. If you are here to buoy your life in a way only God's swell provides, or your swim brought you to this open water but you're not sure why, we are on the same journey. Hey, thanks for jumping on buoy today. Welcome to Buoy, a Life in Deeper Water podcast, episode four, when God's answer is not out for delivery. Hello, human. Today's buoy is not about God's response to our prayers, not yet. It is about how we handle the weight that runs between God's timing and the answered prayer. I have recently joined a group in which prayer is far more than an opener or a closer. I welcome it. I need it. I also have resolutions on my mind because I know that the holiday ride is about to begin, and before I know it, I will find myself waking up to Sunday morning, January 1, 2023. So this is my first draft iteration of a prayer resolution because I have found that resolutions work best when slow-cooked. I will circle back on today's Cerebral Soup on December 30, episode 13. This episode is about how we steward a pending prayer request hinged on God's timing. The same God that had Moses wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years Abraham and Sarah were without child until they were 190, respectively. David waited 20 years to be king of all Israel. Jonah spent three days and three nights inside a whale for a blubbery time out to think about a change of heart. Yet God instantly healed many, as did his son during his earthly walk, all upon simple requests from hurting folks. God's timing seems all over the place but always the right place and the right time. 2 Peter 3.8 says, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. That explains all the wilderness walking, the waiting to procreate maybe, but I have a hard time getting my brain around waiting indefinitely. If there is anything I'm impatient about, it is time and timing. This earthly world has applied an algorithm to our lives that solicits our attention in a certain way at a certain time for a predetermined result. Automation is a given. We are readily impatient because of it. I have thought more than once, for the sake of clarity, that God make his timing known to each of us, perhaps like how Amazon does it, ordered, shipped, out for delivery. I could use an automated system for God's responses in my life. I pray to place my order. Then something happens, a cue that I interpret as about to get an answer, that my answer has been shipped, and hopefully the right one, the right answer. 
It's on its way. I think waiting three to five business days or perhaps business in heaven days is reasonable. I receive an alert that my prayer answer is out for delivery by 8 p.m. I could live with that. It's clear from this scenario that I want to know when God's answer is coming. What I want more than that is the preferred answer. I got the job, the raise, the car, the call, the conversation, the gig, the book, the thang. A problem solved, an illness healed, a good diagnosis, someone saved. So what exactly do I do during the wait? How do I even know what to do during this time, not knowing his answer? How do I proceed when I don't know the direction? I know I have to come to terms with what I do, a convicted heart, to get past what I do. Hence, 99 buoys. Let's swim. Sometimes I spend the wait seeking endorsements for the God answer I'm hoping for. Make assumptions, build the integrity of the answer I'm hoping for on false markers. Pseudo applause. Rally support for what I think should happen. How do I do this? I seek out people to confirm my desires to emotionally notarize my interpretation of God's plan for my life. They want to be supportive because I have carefully chosen these people. So they respond with, that sounds right, doable, you would be good at that. It makes me feel better. I have found the people that will give a five-star rating for how I want the story to turn out. Yet, Proverbs 16.9 says, In their hearts humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Sometimes I try to schmooze God's response with good works. Trade them for an answer, the preferred answer. This is not unlike what we did as children, and for those of you who have children, what they do to us. We ask our parents for something. They respond with, we will think about it. We, the askers, instantaneously become inspired to do good work. Clean our room, take out the trash, visit a neighbor, volunteer at church, read our Bible for five straight days, pray, pray, pray for His will. But we should ask ourselves if we really think these good works will coax the God who created heaven and earth, the God who knows everything. Sounds ridiculous just saying it. God is not transactional. Perhaps these deeds put us into a deeper state of obedience. That's not a bad thing. But as Jesus said over and over again during his earthly walk, everything is a heart matter. So I pray that when I do this, that he will turn my hardship toward the love of doing good work to celebrate his glory and my redemption, separate from anything my human nature desires, that Jesus will separate my prayer request from what I do during the wait. Have you ever missed the bus? I've been on my fair share of buses in my life, en route to school and camp, doing homework, flirting, teasing, singing, dozing, braiding hair, reading. In my adult life, mostly on public transportation, waiting at the bus stop. For one bus connection in New York City, when I worked on 104th Street and 5th Avenue, I got off one bus at the last stop before 97th Street, about one minute before another bus was scheduled to pull away from the curb. I had to go about 400 feet on foot to an intersection across 5th Avenue going east and a quarter block to reach the doors before the bus driver made the abrupt commitment to close them. Once closed, they stayed closed. 
I ran because I discovered that if I ran, the bus driver would see me running and more often than not wait for me to run to the intersection, cross, and jump onto the steps to make that cross-town bus across Central Park. Making that bus got me to 86th Street 30 minutes earlier. Half the time I missed it, though. Not unlike when I find myself waiting for the God bus. Bus after bus goes by, finally asking others waiting, Have you seen my God bus? It should have been here by now. I'm expecting an answer to a prayer. My answer is on that bus. But if I ask a discerning family member, friend, or anyone who has committed themselves to honesty about what is in my best spiritual interest, that dialogue often goes something like this. Catherine, that bus came through an hour ago. But I was here. I didn't see it. Well, it was here. I saw your answer on it, sitting in the fifth row back, window seat staring straight at you. How could I have missed it? I have been here waiting the whole time. You were looking for the wrong bus. Sometimes I'm waiting for an answer to a prayer that has already been answered. I wouldn't have missed it if I'd been open to whatever God's answer turned out to be. If I was open, instead of positioning myself for the preferred answer, I could be across Central Park by now, doing his work on a different street. Another Catherine tactic is prematurely inching forward, executing on the answer I want from God. Recently, I considered a new opportunity. I do new adventures very well. While the discovery process played out over several weeks, I found myself beginning to do things that worked toward the answer I was hoping for. My mental script ran like this. God knows me and how much I love this kind of adventure. He wants me to have joy, and this does that. So I began, for the lack of a better verb, to sneak up on the plan, stack the thought deck, and plan for decisions that spoke to and supported that desired outcome. Any sailor will tell you that without wind, you are not going far. That opportunity turned another direction. So mentally and emotionally, I loosened my grasp on it and let it slip away. But the process of considering that adventure now has me thinking and praying about my life in a new way that only God can form, like when his spirit was hovering over the waters in the beginning. That kind of power. For that, I wait. So what's the worst that can happen? A mental takeover that does not end well. The more I have thought about what I've asked for, what I want the prayer answer to be, and come up with a plan that would work, created a mental storyboard of how this will all just be a fabulous path God has set, plant flowers along that path, pack for the weather along that path, the less chance it is God's plan for me. Again, the less chance it is God's plan for me. Why? Because I don't have a divine nature. God does. Because that is a cue that I'm yielding to the mindset of a takeover. That I've gotten out ahead of God. I have shown my capability as an earthly hijacker, kidnapper, bank robber. At the very least, I have committed a personal misdemeanor. A heist on my own life. Proverbs 27.1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. How do I boast? I approximate God's answer by my own human desires and limitations. I force the timing as if it is possible to coax God to take my counsel. 
When God reveals himself to me, when I witness his nature along my path, it is not an approximation. It is his way, the divine truth in my life. I just shared a whole lot of honesty that I just put in your care, human. It is a good thing that Peter, our passionate, persuasive apostle, reminds us. 1 Peter 5, 6 Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Humility and the mighty hand of God. Sounds like a good place for my prayer resolution to simmer for now. The next resolution in my holiday kitchen is looking at how I honor reading and growing in God's Word. What's simmering in your cerebral soup for 2023? His grace, my gratitude, see on the buoy. Thanks for listening today. I encourage you to speak up, human. If Bowie brings value to you, take a moment to share it with someone. Write a quick review so we reach more seekers. Comment, ask questions. You can find me at katherinebuys.com and Bowie Catherine B on Instagram. Bowie is a Life in Deeper Water podcast.